Did you know you can get 5X to anything with the Flues app? Here's how. Buy a gift card to Han's Grocery Store through the Flues app using a credit card that earns 5X on grocery stores. This will generate a fee-free Visa or MasterCard gift card for you to use virtually anywhere while coding as a grocery purchase. The Han's Grocery gift cards are only available in limited quantities on the Flues app, and they sell out fast, so be sure to check the app each day for more. Download the Flues app using the link in the show notes. Thank you to Flues for partnering with this episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. Each hour they spend on one thing is kind of opportunity cost. So if you're a nine to five and like your nine to five is your nine to five and that's what you want, awesome. Then it makes sense to probably look at like, you know, using every shopping portal and potentially doing these mattress runs or mileage runs or triple dipping and stacking and all this stuff that kind of takes a lot of time to figure out. But if you have something where, you know, if you put one more hour into this, you're going to make $100 an hour because you're a contractor and that's what your rate is or whatever it may be. And you look at that and then you're going to spend an hour and a half trying to figure out like a shopping portal. You got to be realistic and look at like your opportunity cost of time, which I just think is really important because uh, when you get into the into the point space, it seems like there's so many opportunities to chase, but you you want to pursue as much as you can, but not at the expense of what you're really committed to in your life as like a business owner or as a freelancer. And that might be your your primary source of income. So that was something that I did for a while was like, I was spending a lot of time trying to, to win like $5 here, $10 here. And I realized it was like, if I just put all this effort into actually building, you know, what I'm trying to build personally, that would make a lot more sense for my lifestyle. And I'll take like the 80, 20 principle and put, you know, the minimal amount of resu- uh, effort into points and miles to get the maximum results for me without having this like law of diminishing returns where, you know, you start to do a, a lot of extra work and not get that much extra benefit of your lifestyle. So that's just my philosophy on it. Um, everyone's a little bit different, but I think it's important to think about that because you really need to know like you're, you're basically like your hourly rate based on your, your income level and if it makes sense to put your effort into certain things or not. Hey there, points people. You just heard a clip from Eli Facenda of Eli Travel Guy. Eli is a nomadic entrepreneur based in Austin, Texas. He has visited 35 countries over the last three years while growing two businesses and is passionate about helping entrepreneurs experience more freedom through leveraging credit. In 2021 alone, Eli saved more than $40,000 by using points and miles to travel. He has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs use credit to start and scale their businesses, create new investment opportunities, and enjoy tons of free luxury travel. In this episode, Eli and I discuss how business credit works, how to qualify for business credit cards, and some pitfalls to watch out for. One of the most popular business cards to start out with is the Chase Inc. Business Unlimited, which earns 1.5x everywhere, comes with a high introductory bonus, and no annual fee. If you really want to level up your points game, incorporating business credit cards into your wallet is one of the best strategies available. Remember, never, ever, ever apply for a credit card through Google. Always use a referral link from your friends or favorite creators. If you would like to support this show when you sign up for your next card, please use the link in the show notes. And now, on with the show. Hey, Eli, welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Thank you, Julia. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to have you and to have all of our listeners learn a little bit more about business credit cards and how business credit works and all of that. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your background and how did you get into the game of points and miles? 
Yeah, yeah, happy to share that and excited to share those topics around business credit as well. And so the, the short story in the background is I actually grew up in Northern Virginia. I was a high school and then collegiate baseball player. And uh, we're starting here because when I was in high school, my first ever international trip was to the Dominican Republic. When I was 17, I got invited to go play to represent the USA from my high school coach, who was this like legendary high school coach. He led the team. And then a few years later, you know, we had a great relationship. We stayed in touch and he ended up starting a company that was doing similar stuff, but really just enhancing the product where he was taking baseball teams overseas. And so I ended up studying abroad in Barcelona. The stars kind of aligned. I helped them out. And then right out of school, my first ever job was actually helping them start and build this international sports tour company. So I've been doing that for the last eight years. And we send sports teams all over the world to go compete in international tournaments and events and basically wrap up you know, these sports competitions, tours, and family vacation all into one. So it's just like full-fledged experience. But through that, I started to learn about points and miles and, and travel hacking because I was really trying to add value to the company. And I really wanted to look for ways, okay, how can I, you know, save 15, 20, 30, $40,000 a year? And, you know, that would help me get a raise or help me potentially get equity in the company. And so I was looking for all these ways to, to help the company benefit. So I started learning about points and miles. And then I realized like, holy crap, wait, I can do this for myself too. And at the time when I wasn't making a ton of money and I was kind of hustling, you know, trying to build this and driving Uber and coaching baseball lessons and working in a restaurant, the points and miles thing was the only thing that was going to allow me to really take the trips that I wanted to take at the same time. So it kind of blew me away and we can get more into it from that. But that's really my background. All things travel. I also have a consulting business in the points and miles space, really specifically geared towards business owners that are frequent travelers. Um, but I'm a huge travel fan. I love helping people travel, whether it's through points or through just helping you know families and athletes see the world. It's always amazing to see people take trips that they normally wouldn't take and, and just say yes to more experiences. Awesome. What were some of the first cards that you started off with when you discovered the magic of points and miles and how you could travel for next to no cost? Yeah, it's so funny because I don't know how many people do it this way, but for some reason, I got into these really niche cards first. They're not that niche, but like, if you had a ranking of like the first 25 cards you'd get, I probably got like cards in like the 20 to 25 category. I got like the British Airways Avios card with my first rewards card with Chase. So like doesn't make any sense. I didn't really realize the whole thing of like points really aren't that transferable and alliances. I was just like British Airways seems cool. And like, I was like, I'll fly to Europe at some point. Like maybe this will help. So I got the British Airways Avios card. Then I got a Southwest card and then I got a, I think the next one was the City Premier. So those were the first three that I got and then jumped into the Sapphire and started going for higher tier cards. But I started out with these kind of random ones, hodgepodging points together in a way that like I tell people now, like you should probably do the opposite. <laughs> Start with, you know, transferable points, go for higher bonuses. But I just like didn't understand that at the time. Was that the biggest mistake that you made when you were starting off with points and miles? Unfortunately not. Unfortunately, the biggest mistake, which really hurt my ego more than anything else, was actually this year. So it was kind of a mistake that I made. It was more of a mistake that I got kind of caught up in. So basically, long story short, I had, um, well, long story short is I don't have a Hilton Honors account anymore. We're working to get that recovered right now. But but what happened is I actually had a friend who was basically going to, I was helping with something who's like, hey, instead of paying you, can I just give you Hilton points? And I was like, we were doing the valuation and I was like, okay, if I use them at this property, this property, I'm like, I'm getting paid three times as much, but it's less for him. I'm like, this is a win-win. Absolutely. I know the rules on pulling points, you know, how many you can transfer from one person to another within a year and all this stuff. And so I asked him, I was like, hey, you haven't sent more than, I think it's 500,000, sent and received Hilton points at that level. This year he's like, yeah, no, we're good. And I'm like, okay, cool. So 
he sent me, well, he basically said, I'm going to go send you points. And what he did instead was he ended up finding someone that was selling points online and didn't realize that there's these rules. He just didn't know out of just being naive to the whole situation, didn't know that there's these rules. And so he gave my Hilton Honors account to some random person online, sent them crypto. So it was like completely untraceable. And then they transferred points to me. And as soon as they hit my account, because that person was violating the Hilton rules of pooling points, my account got shut down. And yeah, that's that was earlier this year. So I lost I lost 50,000 points, which isn't a big deal, but I did lose the ability to earn Hilton Honors points and you know, get like the Hilton Aspire where you get automatic diamond status and stack all these cards that Amex is offering. So that's been a big hit. I'm still working to recover it. I've seen similar situations where people have gotten it back. So hopefully Hilton understands eventually and, and reverses that. But for now, their fraud department hasn't been the easiest to communicate with. So uh, new experience for sure and a good lesson to share, but uh, that's definitely the biggest mistake I've had. What are the rules on Hilton pooling points? So I'm, if I recall, I don't remember off the exact top of my head. I think it's you can only transfer 500,000 um, from one account to another, and there's a limit on the number of people that you can have to pool points with. So there's no like requirement necessarily to be like a family member like a lot of programs have or a business owner, but I think it's you can do up to 10 people and up to 500,000 sent or received. Uh, per account. And so if someone goes over that and they said a million in a year, that's going to flag uh, flag the system. So is this like your 11th person? The crypto guy was your 11th person and then suddenly it broke the, the threshold? Well, so it wasn't me that violated it. It was the person that basically was selling it online. They were like basically a scammer. And they were oh. telling, they told him, yeah, yeah, we'll send it. They probably had like 5 million Hilton points and either they didn't know or they were intentionally scamming people. And they sent them to me. And then because my account was involved in that, they thought that I was buying points online. And then they mm -hmm. shut my account down, even though I had no idea this was going on. I thought it was just an honest, like my friend was sending me points. So yeah, so that's that's how it worked. Fun times. Yeah, right. yeah, right. Exactly. So tell us a little bit more about how you earn points the legitimate way of just with the business that you work for and how... How does this business model work? Are you guys seeking out different tournaments abroad and then you recruit the baseball team to go over there and then you're earning revenue just from parents paying you or what does the cash flow of this look like? Yeah, yeah. So I'll explain the business nature first and then talk about how we how we earn points to that. <clears throat> so basically what we do is we find different international tournaments or just really tours or even training opportunities to go overseas. And so we're mostly focused on the youth market. We do some collegiate stuff and we have some adult tours we're actually doing like we have a pickleball group going to Costa Rica. We have a botchball group going to Italy. So we're doing some kind of niche stuff. But it's mostly, you know, our core sports like baseball, soccer, ice hockey, lacrosse, basketball. And so what we'll do is we'll find maybe like a tournament in Italy for 16-year-old baseball teams. And we get invitations to that tournament. We then package an entire 10-day tour around that where they're going to go to Milan and Venice and Florence and then play a four-day tournament in Parma and fly to Milan. Everything's included pretty much except for a few meals. And then, yeah, we package that up. And we're basically booking direct with airlines and hotels, what's called DMCs, destination management companies, which are essentially on the ground operators that can contract out to buses, tour guides, you know, tour activities and all that stuff. So we contract with all these different vendors and then we package it and we go work with different sports programs around the country to basically partner together to run the trip. So if it's like someone that has a youth lacrosse academy, they may want to lead this as a part of their brand and have their brand go over and kind of play in this international tournament in Prague, for example. So 
that's how the business works. And then, yeah, it ends up being a vacation. So the parents or the individuals pay for it. And we have all sorts of fundraisers and, and stuff like that. But in terms of spending, yeah, it's pretty cool because we are spending a lot on travel. Now, the unfortunate thing is based on actually a lot of the airlines, when you start to get into group contracts, you can't use credit cards, which is such a dagger because some of these contracts we do with Lufthansa, I mean, it's like hundreds of, you know, we're getting to the point where it's going to be like nearly a million dollars a year on air travel, but you can't use a card for that. And it's like, I'm just looking at all the bonus point opportunities to do that. But when you factor in the, you know, the fee that we have to pay to switch to a different airline that accepts cards versus this, it doesn't, doesn't end up making sense. But um, we spend quite a bit on hotels, quite a bit on restaurants, but working with some of these international vendors, sometimes they're like really small kind of mom and pop shops and they don't really code correctly. And it's like not worth trying to go figure that all out. But for the most part, it ends up being a really good business for someone that wants to earn a lot of points. So we've got a whole array of cards for all sorts of different things. My business partners think I'm crazy when I'm like, no, 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 use this card, not this one. Use this one over here. And I kind of just orchestrate the whole thing, but it ends up being a pretty fun time. What are some of the best credit cards to have in your wallet if you're doing something like this where you're organizing group tours? Yeah. So, I mean, you want to think about like how much you're spending with specific brands and thinking about like status as well. So for example, we have a couple of Marriott cards because we do spend a lot on Marriott. One of my partners has the Hilton Aspire because <clears throat> we travel a lot. And it's pretty awesome that whole just get, you know, automatic diamond status when we go to like conferences and stuff like that. So we've got that. We've got all the Chase Inc. cards, the Amex Business Platinum as well. That's really good for obviously like if you're traveling, you want lounge access and all that stuff to have that under the business is great. They also give you 1.5x on like large purchases. So that's good kind of floor earnings. The ink ends the ink cards end up being some really good ones that we use pretty consistently because of the 1.5x base earning points. And just the fact also there's 0% cards. So depending on where we are from a cash flow standpoint, it can really help to have a credit line available. You know, it's a 12 month APR period, which we can get into, but it can really help to have significant credit line available if you want to basically be able to lock in some really good rates and get deposits before cash flow comes in. And that same reason is why we also have the Amex Plum because it uh, has 60 day net terms instead of a traditional 30 day term. So it gives you a little bit extra timing on the uh, for cash flow, but it's not really a points card. Unfortunately, it's more just going to give you support there. So those are a few. We do have a couple others, but those are really the, the main ones that we work with. If somebody books a whole room block for a Marriott hotel, who gets those points? It, obviously, if the parents have their own Marriott account, they would get the points for that, right? But what about if it's a team where almost none of the parents have their own accounts? Does somebody get those Marriott loyalty points? Yeah, you only really get them on the spend if you organize. Um, it's kind of similar to an airline. Like if you book a ticket for you and three other people, like you get the points for the spend on your card and they show up, sit their butts in the seat, they get the points for the flight. It's the same for hotels. Although some even kind of weirdly, some when you get group contracts because they're making concessions and giving you guys other bonuses, sometimes they actually don't honor the ability to earn points for people on that group. So like I've spent, you know, there was a year where I probably spent like 30 to 50 nights in a hotel with our group on our group contracts. And I wasn't earning any points for those because they basically just don't honor them with the group. So it can depend on the hotel and the brand and how they all work. But unfortunately, that can be that can be true. And we have a few parents because you know we're in the, we're primarily based in the DC area, but people going on these trips typically they're they're travelers, you know, and a lot of them are like people who've traveled a lot for business and they're used to getting points and they show up to front desk like, "Hey, I'm Hilton Diamond, can I get an upgrade?" And they're like, "No, you're on a group contract, we don't recognize that," and they, they get really really bitter, which I understand and I would be too, but that's just kind of how it works in the world of group contracts. So they're a little bit different than than individual bookings. 
Are there any brands that tend to be better or worse about still giving you your elite credits or recognizing those even if you're on a group contract? You know, I haven't seen consistency with that, but Hyatt just seems to always have the best customer service in my experience overall. And that's why I know you went globalist for them. It's the same for me. But overall, they tend to treat the groups the best. I would say the most consistent. They're also the hotel we probably use the least out of the three major hotels between Hilton and Marriott. But otherwise, it's really, really individualized and inconsistent, especially with how the brands differ overseas. I mean, you've seen it, but like, you know, there's, I'll just use Holiday Inn Express, for example, that's an IHG property. But over here, that's like an okay property. You know, it's fine. It's solid, usually three-star. It's reliable. It's consistent. But when you go to like Sydney, Australia, the Holiday Express downtown in Sydney, or the Holiday Inn, sorry, is uh, in Sydney is actually pretty nice. It's like a great rooftop, a really good location. It's like a solid hotel. Same with a lot, like the one in Munich is like pretty nice. It's definitely a tier above what we have here. So point being, the brands vary so much overseas. And then even within like just the idea of being overseas, each region can have a different kind of standard just based on that region's kind of norm with hotels. For example, in Asia, like Japan, everything's just a level up. In my experience, like the quality of service across the board in any hotel is higher. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be better with like honoring loyalty or anything like that. It just means the service is going to feel nicer. If you are listening to this episode thinking, I wish I could travel like this, but I don't know where to start. I offer free credit card consultations by email at geobreezetravel.com slash consultations. Additionally, I host a masterclass and group coaching session each month. You can find the links to sign up for the consultations, monthly masterclasses, and Patreon, which gets you access to the masterclasses and also recordings of all past events in the show notes. This week's Patreon shout out goes out to Devin. Thank you so much for being a part of the GeoBreeze Travel Patreon community. So. You guys obviously need a lot of credit lines to book all of these trips for so many large groups. How does somebody go about getting that many credit lines and that much available credit? Is this just you start with one business credit card and work up from there? Or is there a process if somebody was like, I have a large business and I need to scale up pretty quickly with the available of credit lines so that I don't wreck my utilization? Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's a super important one because that's one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of business owners make. They just don't think it's a big deal. I'll just use a personal card to start or whatever. And, and they don't really think about it. And there's a few reasons why business credit is really important. Number one is primarily if you are doing this kind of business path where it's a true business. I know there's a lot of people in points of miles that are getting business cards for the points of travel, which I do as well. It's not really for like necessarily pure business reasons. But if you're going specifically for like, I actually have a business with high expenses, you want to understand how business credit works. First off, it doesn't report to your personal credit report unless you have a couple cards, typically ones with Capital One, TD Bank, or Discover. Those will oftentimes show up on your on your credit report. So it's important to understand for like reasons like 524, making sure you're under certain rules with like Chase or other banks that are counting that. But the other reason is because since it doesn't show up, if you are if you have to carry balances, maybe you have a zero percent intro card, or it just makes sense financially to carry balance for one month because you're locking in such a discount on whatever it may be or you just really need the cash flow up front, it's not going to impact your utilization. So your personal credit stays intact, which means that you can continue to get more credit if you need to, while you're really leveraging and scaling using business credit. So how do you start? Well, it depends a little bit on your situation in your business. Some people are starting off and they're really lean and they don't really have a ton of revenue yet. They don't have a ton of age on their business. And it's going to be a little bit, it takes a little bit more effort and strategy to maximize that than it does to just like get business credit. If you have like a seven-year-old business that's doing millions of dollars. So I'll kind of address both situations. So if you're kind of just starting out and you just want to get started, there's a couple things you need to know. You can really look at like some of these rules for business credit cards. 
Specifically, they're more sensitive around how many inquiries you've had in the last six months. And one of the other things they're going to look at when it comes to getting approved for higher limits is what they call comparable credit. So they'll look at your personal credit report and say, what does Julia have? You know, maybe it's we're applying for Amex. What does Julia have with Chase? Okay. And they'll look and see what's the highest individual one card limit that you have. So let's say you have two, you have a Chase Freedom and a Chase Sapphire, a 15K limit and a 10K limit. Before you apply to Amex, what you might want to do is combine those credit limits. You can move them around. Assuming that they're both personal cards uh, with Chase, you can combine them and you can make it you know, 24,000 on one card and 1,000 on the other. You keep both cards open and then you apply to Amex. And now when they do comparable credit, they're going to say, oh, wow, Chase lent her a $24,000 line. So that's likely going to give you a higher limit on your own card. So that's one strategy. And then there's other ways you can move credit limits around once you actually get approved. So if you apply for multiple cards at the same bank, let's say you get you know, three Amex cards, you can move credit limits within that business onto a specific card. So if you get a 0% intro APR offer with an Amex Blue Business Plus, and then you also get the Amex Delta Business, you know, let's call it Marriott Bonvoy Business Card, maybe you get $10,000 here and $10,000 here. Well, you could move, once you get approved, you could move $8,000 on the Marriott card to the, uh, the Blue Business Plus, and now you have $18,000 at 0% interest for 12 months rather than just the 10,000. So we're talking about basically how do you get access to more capital, how to do it at lower interest rates. But it's important to understand that like, even though it's a business card, a lot of people hear this thing of what they call no PG or no personal guarantee. That's not the case at this level. You're still personally guaranteeing everything. So do not think of this as like free money that you can just take and run. If that's how you're thinking about it, then do not do this because this is really just a strategy used to scale up your business. It's not a strategy used to take money and then like disappear. Uh, at the end of the day, you still personally owe it. If you don't pay it, it will eventually show up in your personal credit report as a late payment or collection. So you don't want to have that. <clears throat> so those are a couple of things. If your business is actually really significantly running, you're doing millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue, um, then it becomes a lot easier to just get approvals. And what you really want to do is you want to go find a relationship manager at a top national bank like Chase, and they will help guide you on you know the best cards and financial products for you. They can talk to underwriting if you get denied or if you need a specific credit limit, they can help kind of push things through. So that ends up being kind of the higher. But if you really want to also get like lines of credit, which is different than business credit cards, we could touch on that. But that's something where you'd actually want to go away from the big banks like Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America. And you want to go to smaller, more local banks just because of their lending policies and how they operate. It's, it's actually much easier to work with them. So that's a pretty long depth you know, overview of how this works. But wanted to make sure to hit on kind of all, all different positions you may be in if you're, if you're trying to get business credit. That was amazing for all of the information we got there. Let's talk a little bit about what are the differences between if somebody wanted lines of credit versus business credit cards? Why would somebody go with one versus the other? Yeah, so basically, it's it's essentially giving you the same capacity to to lend from a bank and use the money. It just they are kind of different formats. So a business credit card, obviously, there's a card to it attached to it. So you go to a merchant, you literally swipe the card, and you know it's basically a revolving line of credit where you pay it down, you pay interest, or you, sorry, you you tap into it. You spend on it, you pay interest on that amount, and you pay it back. A line of credit is the same thing, except for there's no card attached to it. So basically, if you get approved for one, it would essentially log into whatever bank it is. PNC is one that we use for that. For example, you log in, it'll say line of credit, X dollars, and basically you can just use that to write, you know, you can basically transfer the funds directly into an account. You can write checks from that. So it's basically just essentially like a loan, but it acts more like a revolving line of credit in the sense of how a credit card works where you have to pay it and they'll charge you APR based on like what you're using. So a traditional business loan is going to be more like you get $200,000 up front and you're paying that back with interest over time, whether 
you use it or not. This is more like you only pay interest if you use it. And it ends up being good because typically you're getting higher limits on these. Like minimum, you're usually going to get like a 50K limit if you get approved for one up to, you know, 100,000, 200,000. And so they're really good if you do have uh, a business that has extreme cash fluctuations. For example, a tour company, you know, we're putting down hundreds of, th hundreds of thousands of dollars of deposits during certain months, um, paying out vendors in other months, and we're receiving cash in other months. So it's like, there can be some fluctuations where having access to this credit line can be really beneficial for you to lock in good deals or pay vendors, you know, on time or early. When you have these large credit lines, does it affect the credit score or anything else as far as when people are doing those types of comparative uh, comparisons between the different credit lines? Does it help at all with that metric? No, it doesn't. It doesn't impact your personal credit at all because it does. Like, let's say Amex is pulling your credit and you had a hundred thousand dollar business line of credit with Chase, they won't even see it because it's not on your credit report. The thing where it can impact is you may get maxed out within one bank, depending on how much lending they've given to you. So like if you had two Chase business cards with a 30K limit and two personal cards with 15K limits, and maybe you eventually got a line of credit with them. If you apply for another card, depending on where your personal income is, how much cash you have in the account with them and your revenue, they may be like, you know what, Julia, we've lent enough to you. This is kind of the max risk profile that we're willing to, to go uh, to extend ourselves at until may, either maybe you increase your income or increase your revenue or put more cash in the, in the account or you age more with them. So it doesn't really impact your credit, but what it might impact, and this is pretty rare, is just like your ability to get more credit within a bank. But even with that, oftentimes what you can do is you could reduce your credit limit, which sounds kind of weird conceptually, but you could do that and then apply. Or you could sometimes ask them, well, can I move like $5,000 in credit limit from this card to a new card they get approved for? So it's basically no additional risk to the bank. It's just a different product that they're lending it to, to you through. So that's one strategy there. But overall, it's not going to really impact it. And then also, you're, there is a business credit score. Some people have heard about this, like Duns & Bradstreet, for example, will have a Paydex score. But that doesn't work. It doesn't. Your score isn't calculated based on like utilization or how much you're lending from a bank. It has to do with vendor payment. So it has to do more with like, are you paying your net 30 accounts on time, which might be like a Home Depot card or... Some of these online retailers where they're going to give you net 30 terms where you basically buy something, you have 30 days of paying back. That's the kind of stuff that will report to your business credit report and help build that. So it's not really the same type of metrics you're looking at from a personal credit score either. So let's say there's a situation where there's a tour company out there. They don't know anything about points and miles. And somebody listening to this is saying, oh, I could approach them and offer to run their points and miles department, help them save a whole bunch of money. Would that listener be able to get access to all of these different credit cards and everything and earn the points on behalf if they're managing this for another company or no, if they have no ownership of that LLC. Yeah. So in order, so legally, if they wanted to just do things by the book and do it right, you would have the credit card in the name of one of the owners. Typically they have to own 20% or more of the company in order to do that. Theoretically, what you could do is you could look at some other options where like maybe this person would use their own cards and you know spend on the behalf of the company get paid back that doesn't really make a lot of sense in most cases i guess in some niche cases maybe it would but there are such things some people have like credit partners like maybe one person's really successful in business but something happened 3 years ago stuff happens all the time in credit by the way so like if you have collections or late payments and stuff like that in your account sometimes stuff just goes wrong it's some somewhat out of your control in some cases weird things can happen so, but let's say that happens to a business owner and they need a credit partner. In some cases, that would make sense where they'll be like, well, I'll bring you on so that you can 
actually just get us the, the credit we need to scale, to grow, to leverage the points and miles and do all this stuff. But it is really advantageous, as you kind of just alluded to, like to have someone, if you're in a company like this, that's traveling a lot, to have someone on your team that knows all this stuff, because it can be a lot, but there can be a lot of money and time left on the table by not maximizing this area. So that is a, it's a good idea and concept, but it just has to be done the right way. So as you manage this for the company that you work for, is it mostly you're using all the points and miles for all of the employees to get to fly for free to these tournaments? Or how how do you help the company with this? Yeah, we use it for a variety of stuff. So right now, actually, we have team members in Chicago that are at a trade show for a baseball clinic. We may use points and miles for people to travel on that trip. We might go to different meetings that we have with like investors or whoever it is and you know stuff like that that will be typically used by the ownership group or team members that are just traveling like conferences but another big one for us is you know we're selling an experience so if we want to bring a coach to italy to go see what this is about to go like buy in and really feel it and like experience this it's expensive to just like get them to you know the try before you buy type thing is is expensive when you're talking about like three to four to five thousand dollar trips but what can happen is, you know, we can cut that cost very significantly if we can take their flights out. So we'll oftentimes use the points as ways to bring prospective, basically partners on these trips. And sometimes we do stuff like promotional giveaways, like, hey, if you enter in this raffle, you get a, a free Caribbean getaway. We'll use points for stuff like that. So we're now, you know, having this kind of cool bonus that we're throwing in, but it doesn't cost us anything. So those are some of the different uses, but mostly it's just normal business travel. Every now and then we'll use it for a personal thing, but really there's so much business travel happening that we just, we mostly use it for that. What is your favorite airline product that you've gotten to fly on from all of these different points that the company has earned? Yeah, my favorite, well, my favorite redemption and just like flight that I had was uh, I flew. And the reason I liked this so much was just kind of the story behind it. I was actually in Japan and we were with a baseball group and we had this big high school baseball tournament in Japan called Koshien. It's basically this national baseball tournament. It's crazy. It's like, if you know baseball, it's basically the comparison of like, if every state had a state tournament to select one winner and they all went to Chicago and played in Wrigley Field for two weeks and like the entire stadium was packed for two weeks straight. That's how crazy it is. There's like college football fans basically at a high school baseball game. It's really intense. But I I was sitting there and that's in Osaka around there. And we had another group that was in going to, to Sweden and I needed to like rebook my entire flight because I had to arrive there earlier. And I found like an $8,500 one-way <clears throat> with Lufthansa from Tokyo to Copenhagen and was able to book that for 60,000 points. I used Amex points and transferred them around. And I just remember sitting there, like I was on my computer at this baseball game, like booking a flight. And I was just like, how is this possible? Like, what the heck? This doesn't even make sense. But that was my favorite redemption and favorite like product. I got all the cool Lufthansa lounges when we connected in Munich. And yeah, just really, really enjoyed that. I've flown them a few times. I haven't done a ton of like the epic luxury redemptions like ANA First or Emirates or Etihad yet. I just haven't found those to be like on the way on my route that I'm already traveling. And I kind of have like what I call like practical luxury desires, which means like I'm already flying from here to here. And I really just want to do it in a much nicer, more like enjoyable way. But I'm not really going out of my way just to fly to like Abu Dhabi or Dubai just to try the, the you know, Emirates A380 or something. That's a good point. I think a lot of people do go on these crazy mileage runs or mattress runs to gain a status or an upgrade certificate or something that maybe they don't even end up using. And it just takes mm -hmm. a lot of time and resources and energy. So that's a good point too, is make sure that whatever perks you are trying to earn fits in with the life that you're trying to live.
for a lot of business owners too, I know that when you get these business credit cards, it's so tempting to just like use them, like commingling your personal and business expenses. Like, oh, I can earn 5X over here because I have the chasing business cash. I'm just going to tell everybody don't do that because I did that for 2021. At the end of the year, I had to comb out so many things in my QuickBooks. And I don't know what the value of points I earned by doing like all of these staples runs and everything was, but I value my own time at approximately $100 per hour. And I guarantee you, I did not earn enough hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of points to make it worth the amount of time that I had to spend combing through that. And I I can't even like get my accountant to do that because they're like, what are you doing? Like which of these staples things are actual office supplies versus <laughs> versus just like nonsense? And because some of them were legit expenses. And so I had to comb through that myself. And I'm just letting everybody know if you have a real business that's income generating, it is not worth it with worth your, your time. Just scale up your business and then buy the first class ticket at that point if you need to. <laughs> totally, totally agree. I've done that. I'll usually commingle only for bonuses, but I try to take really good records like when I'm doing that because sometimes it helps. Like, you know, some of these like 15K minimum spends can be a lot. It just depends on like what, you know, what your business is, if that's easy or not. But yeah, I have had the similar, a similar experience and like trying to talk to a bookkeeper or accountant. You're like, approach them like nervous, like it's like a first date. I'm like, hey, so I have a lot of cards and there's like a lot of expenses that are kind of all over the place. And they're like, they're like, this is a mess. Like, you need to sort this out and then come talk to me. So I totally, I totally hear that. Yeah. And you can't just outsource that to an accountant who doesn't understand the points in the mild world because then they're going to take out all of the expenses. And you're like, no, some of those were legitimate things that need to bring down the reportable income. Yeah, it's it's a mess. If you do need to use a business credit card to meet minimum spend and you need to put personal expenses on it, my recommendation would be do all that before you integrate that business credit card into your QuickBooks or whatever it is. Like get through your minimum spend, then actually integrate it in. Once it's in there, don't mess with it. Just put business expenses on it. That would be my my recommended way for Julia in 2022 and future and everybody else listening to this so that you do not make the mistakes I made. Cool. So with everything that you have learned in points and miles and business credit and everything, what would you say is your number one best piece of advice for listeners today? Yeah, the best piece of advice is to to use your mind to not not have this like fear or anxiety around like getting the absolute best deal unless unless that's really what you want and that's like clearly your intention is like I only want to get four cents per points on chase points then just like use the points enjoy your life enjoy the experiences that this system provides I truly think it's unbelievable that this even exists like in especially in the US we're so lucky because most countries if they have anything it's it's a fraction of what we have yet there's a lot of people that are travel hacking and they're like really nervous about like using their points incorrectly or not getting the best value. And while that is, you know, while that is something you want to work on, just go enjoy it, like go live it. And especially with devaluations on stuff, it makes sense just to use your points. So I'm a big believer in that. Um, and otherwise I think it's important within that it is important to have like one or two or three, just go to strategies. For example, for me, knowing that I'm, you know, high globalist, whenever I think about hotels, I immediately, you know, I save the mental bandwidth. I'm like, 99% chance here that I'm going to basically take chase points, convert them to Hyatt and use them there. And I don't spend a lot of time or energy trying to sort through a hundred different options. That's pretty much what I'm looking at. So figure out what makes the most sense for you. Have a couple go-to strategies 
And that just makes life a lot more simple and enjoyable. It can be very overwhelming to start to learn all of these transfer partners and then airline alliances and partner award space and status and upgrades. It can be a lot. So I would say really just focus on a couple of key things. And then the third thing is if you if you don't really know what you're doing, it does make sense to go work with someone who really knows this stuff. It's going to save you a ton of time. And if you really do want to get maximum point redemptions, like you're typically going to get a lot better value out of them if you don't know what you're doing by just going to someone and it'll make it'll make total sense in terms of you know the investment that you put. So I would suggest that. I was really hesitant to do that for a long time. And like for me, going to get like a coach in this area was actually something that just like accelerated my growth. I got 10x the ROI on that in like a few months. So it makes a lot of sense to go just, you know, work with someone if you do really want to maximize this and, and learn some of these strategies without having to, you know, read blogs for hundreds of hours because it does take a lot of time. So that's another suggestion there too. Awesome advice. And speaking of awesome advice, can you give out a shout out to somebody else on the internet that listeners should go follow for points advice? Yeah, I'll give it. I was actually just with with Tommy Lonergan in uh, Cabo San Lucas. It's Travel Like Tommy. He's pretty ninja with these luxury point redemptions. He's done a handful of the you know overwater bungalows. He's done a couple Emirates A380 flights. And like we were look, comparing points and miles experiences. And it was like for every one cool one that I had, he had like 15. So if you want to see how to like get pretty insane value out of your points, he's really good. Also really good with stacking. He was explaining how he's earning like 57 points per dollar spent at Hilton Properties, which blew my mind. So there's a lot of a lot of good value and, and nuggets from him. Awesome. And where can we find you on the internet? Yeah. So I'm mostly on uh, Instagram's best place. Um, so it's Eli Travel Guy. A lot of people think it says Elite Travel Guy, which was not the intention. I was going more for a Bill Nye the Science Guy pun. But yeah, Eli Travel Guy on Instagram's best. So if you have any questions or if you want to learn more about business credit, you know, leveraging that for points and travel or even anything we talked about here, feel free to, to shoot me a message there. That'll be the best place. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Eli, for coming on the show today. We learned so much about business credit cards, credit lines, and really going deep, especially for anybody who has a business that really does generate a lot of income and how they can leverage all of that to travel for next to no cost. Awesome. It was a pleasure sharing. And uh, Julie, this, this podcast is awesome. So keep it up and keep sharing awesome value. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly masterclass hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels!